This is a Federal News Network podcast. Deals made under other transaction authority, as opposed to regular procurement contracts, help the government buy innovation and prototypes. That was the case at the Air Force looking for new space launch technology. SpaceX did not get a deal. It protested and discovered whether a protest is even possible under OTA. For details, procurement attorney Joseph Petrillo of Petrillo and Powell. And Joe, this really sheds light on something I think everybody's been wondering as OTA and use of OTA is growing, especially in the military. Absolutely. As you mentioned, SpaceX had uh, competed for an other transaction, which uh, was advertised by the uh, Air Force uh, for the development of uh, prototype satellite launch services. And uh, under the OTAs, the Air Force is gonna, was going to fund the development of prototypes with the anticipation that they would be used for both commercial and, and military space launches. Uh, later on, after that effort was, was over, uh, in phase two, the Air Force was actually going to have a, a regular procurement contract to obtain launch services. That was going to be open to everyone, but there was going to be a limited number of winners uh, of the OTs. Uh, three of the four com- contestants won. SpaceX was the only loser. And uh, they were wondering, uh, they had felt they'd been dealt with unfairly, and they were wondering what they could do about it. So they started a, a bid protest. Now, some background. In 1996, uh, Congress organized bid protest jurisdiction, at least for the courts, in the Court of Federal Claims. They had mostly been handled in the U.S. district courts around the country, and they were now centralized in a single court. Uh, and the language of the statute was pretty, very broad. They talked about any interested party objecting to a proposed contract or proposed award or any violation of a statute or regulation in connection with a procurement or proposed procurement. So that sounded broad, but uh, soon thereafter, the appellate court, the Federal Circuit, uh, narrowed the jurisdiction to procurement solicitations and contracts, not just any contract, so cooperative agreements for instance, were outside the scope of the bid protest jurisdiction. All right. So when SpaceX went to the Court of Federal Claims, what happened? Well, the government said uh, you don't have jurisdiction um, because this is not a procurement contract. And uh, the the issue was joined. And the the, the court uh, then had to decide after uh, the briefing by the parties whether it did have jurisdiction. Uh, SpaceX had claimed, uh, you know, that uh, uh, this was a contract that, pardon me, the other transaction was in connection with the proposed procurement. The first part of the uh, uh, of the statute really didn't have much influence here uh, because of the prior ruling by the Federal Circuit that it only applied to procurement contracts. It was pretty clear that the other transaction was not a procurement contract since the Air Force was funding development, uh, but not actually getting any goods and services in return. Um, so so the issue really focused on the second half of, of the uh, statute. Is this an objection in connection with a, a proposed procurement uh, contract? And there, the SpaceX argued, look, we're going to have this development phase, and then afterward, the Air Force is going to enter into a regular procurement contract to buy launch services. So 
the two were connected, and the Air Force said, no, they're not, and the court sided with the Air Force on that issue. Um, the Air Force, for instance, found that the two procurements were separate and distinct, um, and then there was an analogy to small business innovation research contracts, where the courts have, pre well, well, one court at least has previously held that the development phase is not subject to the bid protest jurisdiction, but the procurement phase, the, the subsequent procurement phase under SBIR contracts is. So, you know, that uh, precedent sure. uh, went against SpaceX. We're speaking with Joseph Petrillo, a procurement attorney with Petrillo and Powell, and that has been a point of contention because if you get this OTA type of deal and develop something that is going to then go into production, in theory, SpaceX could get a piece of the production contract because the government has had the development done, and I think the other parties agree under certain financial circumstances that the intellectual property they produce under the OT might be available under license or under some kind of a royalty agreement to other people that produce, because the government is, cares about whether the intellectual property is remains valuable to the person that got the OTA deal. So therefore, couldn't SpaceX be competing for the next phase? Uh, SpaceX could, in fact, be comp competing for the next phase, but it felt that it might be subject to a, uh, a disadvantage because its competitors would be getting development funds from uh, the Air Force. And, and the point you raise is a good one. Well, what about licensing the technology that results from the, uh, from the OT, from the other transaction? And, and there we enter into a, a realm of uncertainty because uh, other transactions are not subject to the pretty complete and uh, to some extent restrictive statutes that deal with uh, Defense Department data rights under procurement contracts. Uh, there's a, you know, there have been some significant legal, uh, statutory and regulatory uh, you know, con uh, structure put around those data rights, but OTs are not, uh, are not subject to that. So we really don't know what's going to happen with this uh, intellectual property. But this matter, then, is over with respect to the SpaceX and this launch development contract with the Air Force. Well, it's over at the Court of Federal Claims, but the court transferred the case to the U.S. District Court because uh, under the old precedent that uh, existed before um, the centralization of procurement protests uh, in the Court of Federal Claims, it appears that the district courts might have jurisdiction. So... Uh, SpaceX may yet get a day in, get its day in court, uh, and we'll see. Have to see what happens there. Now, OTAs, as we understand, don't fall under the Federal Acquisition Regulation under a FAR, but uh, FAR type of uh, control. But are they in fact contracts with a small C? Yes, uh, they're agreements with um, uh, enforceable obligations uh, on on either side of the table, and, and that's true also of cooperative agreements and grants. I mean, the, the government expects uh, the counterparty to observe the requirements in, in return for getting the kind of funding that they receive under these instruments. So uh, they certainly are contracts, but they're not uh, the type of procurement contract that uh, are subject to those statutes that you mentioned. And I guess maybe one of the things that is a little odd about this particular deal is that the OTA's 
went to Blue Origin, United Launch Alliance, and Orbital Sciences. These are not small, developing, innovative, well, they might be innovative, but they're not small companies that have not been available to the government. And I think there might be the expectation that OTAs are really supposed to be used for non-traditional types of suppliers, but that really has not been the recent history, has it? Well, uh, you know, they they are not restricted into those instances, although they're they're clearly uh, easier to use and, and there are more uh, authorities for using them in those contexts. Um, but you know, they, there are other ways of using them, and uh, I guess federal agencies are now exploring all those different ways to see how well they fit. Joseph Petrillo is a procurement attorney with Petrillo and Powell. Thanks so much. Have a good day. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, Confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.